think we're up and running and uh, welcome to the free <laughs> to, to the freedom coffee technical support line because this morning has been nothing nothing but technical problems but uh, here you are I don't know what's going on with uh, locals I think we're streaming on locals everybody but there seems to be some sort of uh, I don't know some sort of issue I can't see what's going on but hopefully it's working properly like I see it I see the stream but anyways we're not going to do technical support good morning Jesse and Rocky <laughs> and everybody else uh, it's good to see you and I hope it's still a happy 2024 it should be I think this is the beginning of the best year of everybody's lives including yourself but I'm going to uh, talk a little bit more about that in a bit but I do want to welcome you all to the Freedom Coffee live stream where we celebrate the freedoms that we have and that we fought for and we play with different ideas and strategies on how to expand those freedoms in the future and we are going to be doing a lot of freedom expand expanding in the future it's going to take a little while and how do we do that we do that with a cup of coffee and that coffee helps us enter the positive frame that uh, allows all the anxiety to flow out of our body we take a sip we're now in a positive headspace and we're not going to allow the noise of life uh, get to us and uh, that's why I start with a sip of coffee every time I stream so there we go now I am in that positive headspace good morning uh, Bridget as well it's good to talk to you I hope uh, everybody has had a very positive week so far this half of the first week of January 2024 please like share and subscribe share this with as many people as possible couple things today at 12 o'clock I'm gonna be in a Twitter space with uh, Mario Newfall who runs those very large uh, Twitter spaces on uh, Twitter slash X we're gonna be talking about Bitcoin and I guess they're gonna be talking about crypto which is what they do and have a little bit of uh, back and forth but anyways uh, come join if you're on X and Scott hello from Florida you know my home away from home where in Florida are you uh, Scott which part are you on the um, are you on the Gulf Coast or are you, are you on the uh, the right coast <laughs> sorry I'm a Miami guy what can I tell you uh, although next time I go down there I have to go see some people uh, outside of Tampa and very much looking forward to, to it um, the oh I just want to mention Beaver Bitcoin I connected the CEO with a friend of mine who hosts a daily radio show in Toronto uh, Mark Petroni you've probably heard me on the radio with him a number of times uh, so I think that aired this morning but I know a lot of you are looking for simple easy ways to get onto Bitcoin uh, so far Beaver Bitcoin which is a Canadian exchange is the simplest solution I found so far and uh, I mentioned Aubrey and his company in my last Substack, and I'm probably going to touch on it in the next one so check out if you want to get into Bitcoin I'm gonna have a link for you guys as well uh, in the near future they're just preparing something just to help you guys on board and uh, hopefully that will help all of you you're in St. Pete's well listen I'm still jealous of you man if there's palm trees around I'm jealous you know uh, Jesse says I need to just dis to discuss beaver with you okay not a problem we can do that I come to how about this Jesse we'll discuss it when you come back into the discord which I don't know why you left 
Anyways, um, I know somebody said something that upset you, but that somebody has not been there since uh, since you've left for some reason. But anyways, okay. Um, before we start, I just want to do a little refresher, something, a theme that we discussed last year in 2022, and that is this question. Who are the least credible people in society? Do you remember? Jesse, do you remember? Come on, you must know. Uh, the, we had decided, or we had walked through this in a couple of episodes many times, and this became very evident during not just Freedom Convoy, but all sorts of other you know, uh, grassroots public events, and that are those three the three groups of people that are the least credible in society are politicians the media and lawyers although with the lawyers I always say with an asterisk uh, because lawyers are um, lack credibility in certain ways uh, that's by design because they're court advocates so they're always they're paid to advocate for a position whether that position is uh, accurate or not is a different story, right? So uh, the lawyers get a little bit of a pass with that. But really it's um, politicians and the media and maybe political lawyers is the best way to describe it. The, those who kind of go against all the tenets of what the law society stands for and are just about politics, right? But uh, yeah, see there, Jesse. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, politicians, yeah, all all the garbage people in society, media and politicians, right? So that I want to touch on, you know, what um, Jesse mentioned. Diverge is killing it on X. So for those who don't know, she's talking about Diverge Media, who is run by Greg Staley, who is a true uh, independent journalist who doesn't take money from any. Uh, political groups. I think he's the only one in Canada, or one of the only ones. I guess National Telegraph is the same way. But doesn't take any money from political establishment. He's there for just truth, because he's sick and tired of uh, grassroots things being, uh, grassroots momentum being co-opted by the political class through this, what, we're, what he's uncovering, which is this protection racket for the political class, which became very, very evident during uh, Freedom Convoy and, you know, through other other events that have happened since. You can see all the parallels and you can see the same consistent behavior and the same groups of people who get involved and all that sort of stuff. So uh, Diverge Media hosted a, uh, a Twitter space earlier in the week. It was, sorry, it was New Year's Eve. And a correction, it wasn't hosted by Diverge Media. Diverge Media had a bunch of technical issues. He tried several times, so it ended up being hosted by the National Telegraph. So if you go to the National Telegraph on Twitch, it is, I think, the last, I'm pretty sure it's the last space that they hosted. And it's very, very, very enlightening. Lots of things to learn, even I learned. <laughs> it was uh, absolutely fascinating. And uh, many of us, you know, we learned listening to this about the infighting that was happening amongst the people who were trying to sell us out. They were infighting amongst each other as well. It was hysterical, right? <laughs> um, and that goes to something that I've discussed here in the past, which is, uh, you know, I long learned that political parties are cults. It's the best way to describe them. Uh, that's why, you know, people like myself and others who leave certain political parties 
uh, you get you know publicly shamed or smeared or attacked consistently, uh, which is the behavior of a cult, right? When you're in a cult, you're fine, but as soon as you leave them, leave the cult, they either try to attack you or in very serious uh, circumstances in third world, well, third world, maybe in the past, uh, they would kill people as a result of leaving their cult. Morning, y'all. Happy New Year to you, BJ. Can't stay, um, but just wanted to say, hey, Ward, I appreciate it, brother. All the best to you and your family and all your loved ones in 2024. I wish you guys uh, all peace and love and prosperity and health. And uh, I'm not going to say safety because I'm sick of that word, safety. But you know what I mean. So thanks for stopping by, brother. I appreciate it. So uh, political parties are cults. And, uh, but what's, the, what's different between a political party and a traditional cult, and this is what I've mentioned here before, a political party is a cult made up of people, of opportunists, who are always stabbing each other in the back as well. So they're not just stabbing in the back people outside of the cult, but they're also attacking their own constantly, which is part of the reason I just wanted nothing to do with this. Like, I've never seen that sort of bottom be bottom feeder behavior in my life until you know you get involved in politics it's it's really crazy but this also is important in relation to something you know we discussed this in political bitcoin hour which is a a weekly political space that i host with brandon gentilly and that is hanlon's razor so we just we started yesterday with whitney webb uh, who makes me crazy? It, it, she she makes me nuts. Uh, what makes me nuts is that anybody listens to her. It's just infuriating because uh, all she does is ascribe malice to everybody and uses propaganda words. You know, linked to has connections to whatever. Those are propaganda words. Those are not uh, journalist words. But Halen's razor is that idea that never ascribe malice to things that could be explained by incompetence. And that's really what you see in politics and what we were discussing in Political Bitcoin Hour. Uh, and somebody in Cam was in there who does a lot of stuff in Washington. And, you know, he confirmed he has the same experience. It's not that there's a group of evil people around the world who think they can control everything and decide what you want to do and want. It's not, it's not that. It's pure incompetence. No, but none of those people who who they try to sell, people like Whitney Webb, try to sell as, you know, the authoritarians who want all control. It's the opposite. They don't want any liability. They want plausible deniability over everything. And I talked about an example of there was a, a thing that I was involved in many years ago. We're having, well, it was like a political meeting, writing association, that sort of thing. And there were four of us in the room myself and a friend of mine who's not you know a political a political op or whatever a business guy and two political operatives right like people who are in parties and all that sort of stuff and we were trying to get them to make a decision just on something they won't they will not make a decision at all anytime a simple decision comes up their response is oh ooh, we should form a we should form a subcommittee for that and you know me and my friend looked at each other like the hell's the matter with you people you can't make a decision because they never will it's always have a subcommittee of a subcommittee of a subcommittee of a subcommittee because that way everybody has plausible deniability nobody can be blamed for anything 
But that's why the train of society is always careening off the rails because no one will make a decision. I gave this example and I've discussed this politically behind the scenes before. If you take an institution like Apple, for example, uh, Apple, a very successful company, Apple had one person at the top, Steve Jobs. And you know what he did? He made decisions. Yeah, okay, he would consult with his board and different people, but ultimately he would be the decision maker. He wouldn't go, oh, let's do a subcommittee of everything. It's like, no, no, no. It's, Apple was not a democracy. It was somebody who would take ownership over their decisions, and hopefully it didn't blow up in their face, right? And he got good enough that it didn't happen. That's the opposite of the bottom feeder losers in politics, because that's all you're dealing with, all of them. Yeah, all of them. You know, there's a few good people in there, but, you know, the most of them, right? Anybody who has an experience in politics knows exactly this is how it works, which is what Cam explained. He said that's exactly how Washington works as well. So if you're being sold a frame by people like Whitney Webb that, oh, there's a, a group of people that are all-knowing, all-powerful, making all the decisions, and they want to control what you do, and they've got it all laid out, that is a cartoonish view of how the world actually works. It's the opposite. It's incompetent people who don't want to make a decision. Thus, they constantly make bad decisions as a group, which is what's causing our society to collapse. And, you know, for my uh, friends in the UK, they've pretty much confirmed the exact same thing that's been in their experience involved in politics at the highest level in the UK as well. So this seems to be just, you know, a design of, uh, of our current types of democracy, whether it's a republic like the United States or a parliamentary system or parliamentary democracy in Canada, right? And by the way, you know, yeah, Jesse, you mentioned something, uh, you mentioned something there. In Freedom Convoy, I mean, you know, going back, it was total chaos that that was trying to be managed just to keep everybody cool and calm and all that sort of stuff. But there were a group of people that anytime there was a decision to be made, they wouldn't make a decision. It was infuriating. It was so frustrating. Just make a decision already. Nope, no, well, we should have a committee. Well, why don't we go to the board? We'll talk to the board. We're like, no, just make a decision. We have five minutes. Make a decision. No, nope. you know. I uh, can let you uh, guess who who that person was. Uh, one of those pe people were, but there's a few of them. Uh, Edge, good to see you. Uh, thanks for joining as well. And um, anyways. So, uh, just want, and by the way, this is also a hedge against, you know, like Alex Jones, who I'm pretty sure is a Fed. Uh, he has, or a political op, you know, he has all the, the markings of it, just like Whitney Webb and all that sort of stuff. This is... And what we'll talk about in a second is the type of propaganda that the political class uses right now. And too many people are falling for it. And I think we need to go back to basics that you know, human behavior, how we actually behave. And it's not, it's not what you're being sold, right? Okay, uh, you'll notice the thumbnail <laughs> of, of this is a, uh, an AI-generated image. It is uh, a couple of trucks and auto. I've been playing around with AI for many, many months. I finally got into the image generation thing over the past couple of weeks. But, uh, and it's important, but, and I'll explain why in a second. But it's really interesting to see that AI putting together this thumbnail. I put in a bunch of prompts, which is the skill we all need to learn. And it's hysterical. It knows what Ottawa is. It knows what a transport truck is. It knows what people are, but it has no clue how to spell the word freedom. 
<laughs> F-R-E-D-O-M. It's hysterical. And that was one of the many misspellings of, you know, I would put freedom in, I'd put truckers, I'd put Canadian tr It can't spell anything. Well, I, I have news for you. <laughs> AI is not taking over the world if it can't spell freedom. If it can't spell the most basic words in the in English language, I don't think we have much to worry about. I think it's, um, it's becoming very clear that AI is the new Y2K. Remember Y2K? Everybody was freaking out. Oh, because somebody forgot a digit in, um, in all these network servers around the world that, oh my God, what's going to happen? The internet and the banking system is going to crash. Remember that fake news that the legacy media sold all of us? That we're going to go dark into the dark ages. All the electricity grids are going to go off at 12 midnight, 2000 and whatever. Turns out uh, everybody developed patches that fixed it and that never happened, right? So fake news is not a new, a current uh, issue. This has been going on, uh, I would argue, your entire lives, right? And so I think AI is in that realm of uh, it's not going to be taking over the world because it can't spell, but for other stuff as well. Good morning, Cheryl. It's good to see you as well. There, uh, hold on, the AI misspelled, uh, not knowing what it means. The brand logo of Tim Hortons, it always, yeah, exactly. So Edge is having the same experience with AI. It doesn't understand logos, it can't, can't spell stuff and whatever. Now, not that it's not going to improve over time, it will, but I don't know that we're ever going to see artificial general, um, what's it, uh, AG, AGI? Artificial general intelligence, something like that. I think that's that's kind of the uh, what human beings have when it's when it's conscious. I don't think you're going to see that because AL, AI is just a language model. And look at it this way. This is how, how much it's been throttled and controlled to the point that I think adds that AI is not going to be a threat. So what's interesting about it, it behaves like humans because it kind of it scours the internet and looks for human communication. And it's basically an algorithm that predicts the next word of every sentence. That's all it does. It's a, langu it's a large language model is what LLM stands for. And so it's reading opinions from all over the internet, all over the world, and all that sort of stuff. And what's interesting is what's, what's an attribute of people? I'll give you a hint. We see this in the Freedom Corp grifters. What do they do? Politicians do it too. Well, one would argue many of them are politicians. They lie. They lie constantly. They lie compulsively, right? Well, that's what AI has been learning because it reads the behavior of human beings. So when you try to get verified facts from AI, and don't, don't forget also the woke mob influences this too, uh, it either lies or it gets factual information just completely incorrect, not even close, not even remotely correct in any way, shape, or form. So the AI can't be used as facts. This is something that Scott Adams has brought up uh, a couple of times, and he's completely accurate, and many of us have had the same experience. So it cannot verify factual information. But you know what else it can't do? It can't give you any, how shall we say, spicy opinions or opinions that go against the hegemony of um, of legacy media or corporate media. It won't give you opinions 
that are that it doesn't that are not within the realm of what the corporate class wants us to believe, right? So everything is anti-factual now, you know? We all know what's going on in the world. We all see it. So you have this artificial intelligence that can't verify facts and it can't give you opinions. What the hell is it good for? <laughs> really? And it can't spell. So it can't verify facts, it can't give you opinions, and it can't spell. <laughs> really? This is going to take over the world? This is what everybody's worried about? It's, it is so not a threat, not even close. It's not Skynet. Uh, that's the the ter Terminator reference for those of you who don't know. Uh, I think we, we can get beyond the fears of AI, plus the fact you see people that are trying to integrate, like that's kind of the philosophy of uh, Elon Musk is we need to merge with AI in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you're already merging with AI if you're using AI on your phone. Like, I have ChatGBT on my phone. Well, I'm merged. It's not in my brain. It's in my hand, but it's the same thing. So we're already kind of cyborgs that have, have merged with because we can tap into all the information that exists on the planet, right? So uh, the AI threat is, is no longer a threat. Uh, but it is good for one thing, at least in my experience. So it doesn't know how to spell when, it, when you're using an image generator, but if you're using a language model, then its spelling is almost impeccable. It still makes mistakes once in a while. But it's really good for a spelling and grammar um, checking tool, at least, or should, should I say an editing tool, because it can do a little bit more than that. Uh, it can also write in style. So if you want to draft something, but you want a style of a certain author, uh, Grok is like this with uh, Twitter, for those of you who have it, that it's really good for. But in order to use it, you need to be able to know how to prompt. And I think that's why I encourage people to try to use AI and experiment with it, because you want to learn the skill of prompting. That would be adding to your skill set. Because I think that's going to become, because AI is so dumb, but it does have so many positive attributes, that's going to be a job that occurs in the corporate world in the near future. So why not learn the skill now? Because uh, you never know. Maybe that will turn into a future career for some of you. So hey, let me look at your uh, comments here. Uh, Bridget, I'll let BJ waste his time, then tell me how to do it. It's not a waste of time. That's my point. It's an investment in time of understanding it. Um, what always frustrated me, and maybe just I've grown up with a computer. I had a computer since I was three, so that's why I'm comfortable with it. I'm the worst programmer in the world, but I understand you know, how uh, code is laid out and stuff. I just, I just can't code. I'm just not good at it. But it always frustrated me throughout all the time, especially in politics and business and all that sort of stuff, when I would try to recommend uh, different ways of systematizing processes in the analog world and using computers, technology, the internet, whatever to do so, always conservatives would do this. They tell me, oh, I'm not good with computers. Well, that's not an excuse. You live in the age of technology, get good with computers. Go on the internet and learn. You have all the resources in the world. You can go on YouTube, type in your prompt or whatever you want to learn, and you can learn it. Just spend some time doing it. 
it was always so frustrating because some of the, for me, what I would perceive as very simple processes to do might be a little bit more complicated for somebody who doesn't have as much experience, but you have all the tools to learn it now. So really there's, there's no excuse. I don't know. That's just my framing. But the point in all of this is learn how to prompt AI, get on a chat GBT, you can use 3.5 for free, start talking to it, start learning it. You never know how that skill may benefit you in the future, right? Um, <laughs> Cheryl, yeah, I can skip do without. <laughs> oh my God, you, you, I have a group of anti-technologists in the audience. Listen, I love you all. I get it. You know, this is why I'm trying to help guide you guys a little bit. And this is why Bitcoin is important. You know, that's another thing. When I talk about Bitcoin, okay, people don't understand uh, finance, fixed supply, fiat currency, debasement, all that sort of stuff. I get it. It's just like, okay, you don't need to understand it all. Just get a little bit of Bitcoin. Just to hold on to it because that will be, that will benefit you over the long term. And they have people tell me, well, I'm not good with computers. We can all get with go with computers. I remember my dad was teaching uh, somebody in his neighborhood how to use Windows many, many years ago. And this is why I'm also sympathetic to people who struggle with it. He was teaching this guy how to use Windows, Microsoft Windows, and he was, the guy was, I think, 90 years old, 92 years old, but he wanted to learn. So, hey, great, good. You know, you can learn at any age. So my dad told him, all right, He's telling him how to start and stop computers. It was kind of my first lesson, shut it on, shut it off. And he goes to the, he says to the guy, once he's turned on the computer, he said, okay, now I'm going to teach you how to shut it off. I'm going to teach you how to turn it off. And he says to him, and this is why it's understand, important to understand that people have completely different perspectives on the world that you do. So I am sympathetic. Um, and this also is important in, in messaging, whether it's communication, political communication, all that sort of stuff. And the guy responds to my dad. He says, what do you mean go to start? He says, press the start button. He says, but I don't want to start. I want to stop. I want to turn it off. He said, yeah, but to turn it off, you have to start. You play, press the start button to turn it off. He said, who designed this? This doesn't make any sense at all. So if you grew up with computers and you were there, at the inception of Windows 95, which was the first one with the start button, then it makes complete sense. But if you don't have any exposure to technology and using Windows, it seems like it makes no sense at all. That's a part of what I was trying to do during Freedom Convoy, trying to reach people on the other side. You know, I was surrounded by a lot of people trapped in a political echo chamber who didn't understand the perspectives of the people on the other side, which I spent a lot of, I spent a lot of my time there to understand uh, the opposing sides to arguments. And there's often at least three sides to every argument, not two. I mean, you got to get away from the binary thinking. But that's important. So anyways, um, my point in all of this is, uh, in this whole rambling nonsense, is use AI. Get ChatGBT. It's free. Try it out. I promise. It's going to be a good skill set that will benefit you in the future. Oh. <laughs> Bridget, oh my God, did he just call me anti-something? <laughs> you know I love you. You know I'm teasing you guys, right? You're the best. Uh, 
Ben would do with well, Ben would do with, uh, would die without tech for a day, let alone a mouth. Yes, I probably would die without tech. Well, yeah, I'm pretty plugged in. You know, there's this um, th the end of the year, and this time of year I'm still in it. Is my phase that I kind of reevaluate all my systemization processes, to-do lists, note-taking structures, how things are linked and whatever. And this year I've done like a deep dive into completely trying to revitalize uh, my, you know, digital structure. And there's a really interesting book. I haven't read the book, but I know kind of the principles of it because I've heard it many, many years. I think he took the idea from somebody and ran it, which was the idea of using technology, your phone, in my case, my phone, iPad, and computer, that are all linked, um, using tech as a second brain. This is why I don't commit things to memory. People in politics are addicted to that. Oh, you remember this. I'm like, I, I don't care about remembering things. If I want to remember something, I'm going to put it here. I want to use my brain for creativity. It's a David Allen uh, philosophy. And the book that it's on my reading list now, it's called uh, Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte. Watch a bunch of his videos. He, you could see he's taken the, sort of the David Allen philosophy. Uh, CGP Gray talked about this many years ago as well, of using technology as a second brain. So, yeah, without technology, I would be a little lost in terms of uh, remembering details on certain events and stuff like that, right? Because that's how I access things that I need to remember. But you can always switch to paper. Just paper gets a little bit messy, right? Um, that's a UX uh, user interface. User experience problem is directly translatable into human communications. That's a very good point. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, so AI. The next thing we're going to talk about, I think we're going to talk a lot about this uh, in the coming year, in 2024. And that is black propaganda. Do you know what black propaganda is? There's many sort of different interpretations and definitions for it. They're all kind of in a similar sphere. But uh, we experienced that during the Freedom Convoy and in many events since then. And a lot of political groups online have been subjected to black propaganda. Uh, it's really insidious. But this is, I tried to come up with a simple definition or one of the definitions of black propaganda because it could be used in many different ways. I'm sure this will resonate with um, Bridget and everybody who was in, uh, in Ottawa. Black propaganda is when, this is my definition, uh, based on, again, it's got a whole range, but this is the one I want to focus in on. When the political establishment tax it, attacks itself to divide the population or voter base. That's what black propaganda is. So in the case of Freedom Convoy, uh, I'm, I'm going to read it again so you can see, because I know that probably went over people's head. heads. When, a, when the political establishment attacks itself to divide the population or voter base, they also could use this for grassroots initiatives. So when the political establishment tax itself to divide a grassroots initiative. Starting to put it together. Jeremy McKenzie, 
that transvestite guy, all the people who joined and started saying, oh, yeah, I'm a freedom fighter, but, you know, screw these people like B.J. Dichter and I, I think they attacked Tamara for a while, too, and Bridget or whoever else was on the board, right? So they came in posing as supporters of the Freedom Convoy, but spent all their efforts and uh, energy attacking the people who were trying to keep the Freedom Convoy peaceful. That's black propaganda. That's what a Fed does. And I use the term Fed for people who are operatives of the federal political establishment. It doesn't use, in Canada especially, it doesn't come from intelligence agencies. It might a little bit, but most of our intel are run by uh, police detachments and they don't waste their time with this sort of stuff. So it's up to the political class to do it. But this is going to be a very important concept coming forward, especially as you see Diverge Media putting together uh, what has gone on since and during the Freedom Convoy. Uh, he is releasing a documentary series, and there's also another documentary in the works and a whole bunch of things that will be coming down the pipeline this year. And if you understand this concept of black propaganda, when you watch or listen to these things, it'll really make sense. It'll, it'll allow things to come together. I, I encourage you, go online, research black propaganda. There's examples all throughout history, or at least in modern history from the 20th century, how black, black propaganda has been utilized uh, to essentially for one purpose. And you know what that is? It's to brainwash you. And it's to put you into you know, a particular group and a group that the political establishment can use as a boogeyman. Uh, this is what I think uh, Alex Jones is, for example. By the way, why was Alex Jones attacking me during the Freedom Convoy? Uh, you might not have seen the article. One of the people of InfoWars started doing all these articles and much like uh, the operatives like Fed McKenzie and the rest of them, Alex Jones was doing the same thing because he's a black propagandist. That's why the guy's got a billion-dollar lawsuit against him, but he's gone on as though there's no problems in his life. Set up a shell corporation, put it in there, and continue because he's a product of the state, right? Um, uh, Miss Cheryl Bland, I heard you say yes. Yes, he is. So he's designed, you know, the same way that the, the, when they came to Ottawa, it's a political strategy, and it's a smart political strategy. It's really insidious, and it's really immoral and unethical, but this is what the political establishment tries to do. They'll, say, they'll put up you know, some clown who says really stupid crap, like, I don't know, Sandy Hook, or usually the most common thread is Jewish conspiracies. You know, oh, there's a group of you know, bankers around the world that control everything. Remember, I just explained earlier Hanlon's Law. Never ascribe malice to things that could be explained by incompetence. And any of you who's worked with the government uh, or had any uh, relations with the government, you know how incompetent government is, right? Government is not competent at very much, right? But what they do, uh, the political establishment, is they'll, they'll elevate some figure who will say really stupid things to try to brainwash a segment a small segment, usually two, three, five, five percent of the population, or just a large listener base, 
and to appeal to get brainwashed so they become the crazies. Marco Mendicino let it slip. Remember in the POEC, he described us as the crazies. Oh, I can't remember what he said. Don't, uh, don't let the crazies leave, I think is what it was. Well, he's referring to those groups because they're trying to brand us all as the crazies. And the reason the political establishment can do it is because then they can go after the centrist or liberal vote or the suburban vote or whatever it is and say, oh, we're not with the crazies. No, no, no. We're appealing to everybody. That's why. That's why they do it. It's smart, but really, really unethical. And, um, you know, but that just gives you a sense of the type of people who are in politics, right? Um, is that political uh, to call black? <laughs> Bridget, stop it. <laughs> you crack me up. Uh, Cheryl says, yeah, yeah, wowzers. Listen, this is unfortunately, this is how it is. And it is to our peril. This is why, you listen, what is the strategy of all of this? You know, why was a freedom convoy co-opted? Why do these black propaganda tactics exist? And the fake, you know, uh, organizations that they'll build up or infiltrate and take over, which is what you've been seeing with all those Facebook groups, those freedom Facebook groups online that have all been co-opted over the past year and a half what's the purpose it's a protection racket for the existing political class that's why things will never change that's why it's only you know one of two parties i mean the united states obviously they're long ahead of us in this but in canada as well right it's to solidify the uniparty's control so there's no appealing option to anybody and then they can dictate what option what what uh, choices do you have in the election policy a or policy b because that's what the corporate lobbyists have injected into the political sphere and that's why you increasingly feel like nobody represents you because of this sort of shenanigans and games and manipulation right it's just what it is uh edge this is a great stream well thank you i, <laughs> I appreciate this uh very very sweet of you so um <clears throat> Things will not change if people are not don't become aware of this. That's why I'm, I keep talking about, you know, from time to time, uh, the Freedom Convoy, what went on. This is why Diverge Media has done this deep dive for 12 months, because this needs to stop. This has to stop. The manipulation of people and putting them into different groups like this, it has to stop because all it's doing, it's keeping us divided, whereas the Freedom Convoy became a threat to the political class because we started to reach people across the political spectrum, right? We had people who were liberals, people who were, even some people who were progressive, who didn't buy into the nonsense, who just kind of believed in freedom. There are some of them that believe in freedom of speech. Uh, everybody started to come together. Well, the political class can't have that, right? Because you need to divide up the, uh, the voter base into the different groups so you know who you can message to, and it just makes an election or campaigning for an election more cost effective, right? <clears throat> Cheryl, who do we trust? Trust the people who get smeared by the legacy and alternative media and political operatives. Those are the people you can trust because you know they're not playing the game, right? Myself, I promised you I would never lie to any of you. I'm continuing on that. Uh, Greg, Diverge Media has done that. There's a whole bunch of people online in this space 
that uh, they just want the truth because, again, it can't end. So I'm going to give you a little bit of sign of hope, though, right? Because this does, it does seem, you know, black propaganda. It doesn't get more dark than that, does it? <clears throat> I, see, I think the sign of hope, and we're seeing one, uh, is Javier Millet. Javier Millet in Argentina, the new president of Argentina. You know, I have some uh, friends and supporters in the U.S. who are from big finance, who are also not on board with the plaque propaganda dividing people into different, uh, you know, different groups. They're very pro-freedom, pro-free free speech, very libertarian. And, you know, they were basically crying when Millet got elected. And one of them said, I can't believe, I can't believe we finally got somebody who is a, an Austrian economics, a free market person uh, elected to lead a country. It's a coalition. He's, it's difficult because, you know, he only got, I think, 15% of the House, so he had to get another party on board with him. <clears throat> but uh, he seems to be successful based on what he's done. For those of you who don't know, just off memory, uh, he's, in two weeks, he's canceled 380,000 pieces of regulation. He has uh, reduced the size of the government from 21 ministries to... Was it 12, I think? Or 21 ministries to nine, I think is what it was. <clears throat> um, he's, uh, he's deregulated uh, the oil industry. He's opened up their economy. Like he's done more in two weeks than any Canadian uh, uh, <clears throat> prime minister has done in Canadian history. It's just absolutely amazing. And he was on a show this week. Luckily, I uh, speak enough Spanish that I can understand him. But uh, there's a, uh, a Twitter account called Mile Explains, which will basically caption everything he says in English. But God, this is so true. This is so amazing. He, um, and you have to understand the framing of most of our opinions, most of your opinions have been primed to you. That's why you get in the car, you see or hear the same five top five news stories. You turn on the TV, you see the same five news stories. You turn on another radio station, you hear the same five news stories. Now increasingly you turn on the mainstream podcasts, you see the same five news stories. And the framing's all, always the same because you're being primed to accept an opinion that is not yours. And that's just how we, we work, right? But anyways... Um, that's how a lot of people turn into NPCs. But he explains, this is Millet's, he, he articulates this so well. Um, I paraphrased it, but this is basically what he's saying. And just because when they translate from Spanish to English, it's a little bit whatever. So the paraphrasing uh, helps, at least from my perspective. So he, first he explains conservatives. Is that on one side you have the conservatives. They want... Uh, or they claim to want free market eco economics, but they want to dictate what you do in the bedroom. And on the other side, you have liberals, or the more liberal side, the leftist side, he calls it. They want a free market bedroom, but they want to strict, restrict your economic freedom. And boy, is that accurate. And that's why there's people like myself and many of you who often get trapped in that, well, I don't really agree with either side 
on this particular issue because there's lots of issues that many of us are more libertarian on that we don't care you know people are going to get upset at this but it is what it is um you know the the abortion conversation i don't care i really don't i don't have an opinion either way i can understand both sides i understand both arguments but that's not for me to decide i'm not i'm not going to be in that position i don't think I would, where really would affect my life. Thus, I really don't have an opinion on it. I look to you people, I look to you uh, for what your opinion is, because I personally don't really care, right? Um, and that makes a lot of conservatives uh, uncomfortable because they're engaged in, in identity politics as much as people on the left are. Oh, if you're conservative, that means you have to be A, B, C, D, and E. Like, no, no. I have my own thoughts and you know, life is a little bit murky. Sometimes life is a little bit gray. That's just how life is. And Javier Millet understands that. Um, and you can see he rejects uh, both those frames, right? And I think that's where the future is going to be. And the fact that he's gotten into power and he's made such drastic changes so quickly that means because there's always a latency factor um you know with with fiscal changes it's i think it's uh, when the fed makes a change to interest rates there's a latency of 18 months latency means like the the delay factor so it's a, a programming term but it's kind of the delay factor of 18 months so when they change the interest rates the economy doesn't feel it until 18 months after it's the same thing with policy and government right when a policy is changed It'll vary depending on the policy, if it's a direct effect on people immediately, or sometimes there's a long-term latency effect. So he has to do all these drastic changes so people will see the effects of his changes during his tenure within the first couple of years. Because I think they have midterm elections there too, I'm not sure. But if he is successful there in taking Argentina that was one of the, it was the sixth or seventh most powerful economy on the planet 100 years ago, 120 years ago, before they discovered uh, Juan Perón, the, the, the Nazi, he, not the Nazi, like he loved the Nazis. He loved their philosophical framework of socialism and, corp and, and socialism governing corporations, right? Love that. And he just turned the country into a shithole is what he did. And Argentina has been a declining shithole ever since. Sorry for the language, but it is what it is. So if he's able to undo that in just a couple of years with free uh, with Austrian free market economics and by taking the government and cutting it down by 50%, which is what he's done in two, two weeks, cut the size of the government by 50%, the rest of us around the world will see that, hey, we've been played this entire time with these two factions that have the same philosophical framework, but inverted. One wants a free market economy, one's a free market bedroom. One wants restrictions on your economy, sorry, one wants restrictions on your bedroom, one wants it free, that sort of thing, right? What Millet was telling you. So uh, I think that's a cause to be positive. We now have a template that is being used, and I think it's gonna be successful. And that's what we then have to feed to our political class and to show that they are no longer fit for purpose. 
and they're going to be replaced, right? It's just going to take time. So that, I think, is a sign of hope and positivity, right? What do you think? You agree? Am I all over the map? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> the last thing on the topic of positivity, how has everybody's New Year started? Has this been the most positive beginning of the year for all of you? I know it has for me. I'm really going wrong. You know, everybody's kind of calm. Last year, you know, we lost somebody in Christmas, friends of our family. And, but I don't really see any negativity. Yeah, there's always the noise of life. You know, there are things that go on around the world. There are wars that, you know, some of us are emotionally concerned about, others don't care about. Uh, so that's always gonna be there. But in terms of your own personal framing, it's been pretty positive, hasn't it? I think last year was the in-between year because it was the first time since all the restrictions were left, nothing to do with truckers, all the restrictions were lifted, that people were starting to, to find their, own, their old framing of the world. And I'm noticing with people, at least again, my experience, is people have realized that, okay, I don't need to be emotionally affected by all of the noise in life that's always going to be there. I don't need to take the bait to be, you know, in rage all the time from the legacy media because they're all lying to me anyways. And you know what? I'm going to focus on the good things in my life. I've just noticed that with a lot of people. And then the other thing was, and I think this is important, this is the pressure valve that's been opened. Uh, I saw during, you know, Christmas dinners and stuff. Uh, nobody cares anymore. Nobody's going to tell people what not to say and what not to think. People are fed up with that. I noticed that. Every, and it's, I was, you know, out with normies during Christmas. And, you know, maybe they lean a little bit more towards the conservative side. But they're really kind of centrist. No one's going to tell them what to think anymore. They're fed up with that. They're done with it. And people have been hearing that term, free speech, enough that remember your opinions are primed to you, that they've now been primed to accept and want greater freedoms of speech. And I think that's part of the reason for, for the positivity this year, that we're not going to allow the political class, um, the operatives, the black, uh, black propagandists uh, to get inside of our heads, right? And we see all the, the restrictions, you know, the Elizabeth Warrens with Bitcoin trying to regulate self-custody. And they just make themselves look like dumbasses to everybody else. And people aren't falling for it anymore. So I think that's like a major, major shift from where we were a few years ago, where people were worried about being smeared by the woke mob. The woke mob has lost all its power. And, you know, there's even people who are way more liberal, uh, you know, liberal politically uh, that I've been in touch with now that have slowly started to reach out, you know, which is always something I want to do. I don't want to preach to the choir all the time. I want to reach people on the other side and get them to wake up and understand what it is to have your freedoms restricted and why that can't be tolerated by anybody. 
All right, let me link your comments. So Edge says it's been a fantastic new year. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's these things that I think are articulated, but I think there's a lot more. Um, most of the year, agreed. Um, uh, Jesse said, okay, you guys are all talking to each other. Look, <laughs> you're doing that. Um, oh, yeah, you guys were in London together. That's right. That was very nice, by the way. Uh, you know, a good example of... You know, people get very brazen online to call people names. But then when you show up in person, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> Fucking cowards. Um, now there's a Harvard president resigning. More victory that way. Yeah, well, she's resigning, but she's going to retain, going back to her old position, but retaining her salary of $900,000 as the president of Harvard. At least that's the plan. We'll see how long that lasts. Because I have a feeling Bill Ackman, uh, who, by the way, is kind of on the left of things. He's a good example of somebody on the left who's starting to wake up and realize there's a problem. Right? So it's not all on the shoulders of people who are more conservative-minded anymore. We're finding allies on the other side. They're saying, you know what? You know, they're saying that maybe you guys were a little bit right about stuff. That's great. <laughs> that's such a... You talk about positivity, right? That was that framing of the convoy of us coming together irrespective of our political differences. And it's okay that we have our political differences. You know, I remember Jordan Peterson saying this somewhere. The liberals need to be liberal. The conservatives need to be conservative. But we also have to understand there's also that gray area in between, that libertarian area, that many of us lie on many issues that we're not impassioned on, that the political class is trying to brainwash us into adopting a passionate side on either side. We need to stop that. There's certain things that, I don't know, certain things, I don't care. It's just the way it is, and that's fine. And they need to talk, exactly. Everybody needs to talk to each other, and um, that's what we do in the political Bitcoin hour. This is what I love about Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, you have a lot of people who are on the left, a lot of people on the right. You have anarcho-capitalists. You have traditional libertarians. You have everybody. But we all kind of agree on freedom. So we'll talk about stuff and we'll disagree vehemently on some geopolitical issues. Okay, fine. But at least we're talking. And I think that, you know, me and Stephen Hicks talked about that several years ago, entering this Enlightenment 2.0 era, where um, Connor's going to get upset at that description of it. But anyways, um, that, that's the framing I want to use. I think we're entering that era where it's going to be cool and trendy to talk to people on the other side and work out our differences and understand there's certain things we'll just never agree on. So why don't we focus on our similarities as opposed to our differences, which is what the political class wants us to do. All right. Uh, and now we're in. I got to shut it down because I got to go into uh, the Twitter space in a half hour and I got to do some prep work before and some other stuff. Uh, so if you are on Twitter on X, uh, join us in Mario Newfall space in 30 minutes. We're going to be talking about Bitcoin and crypto and freedom and all that sort of stuff. And then I got a whole bunch of the rest of my days, a little bit of chaos. But I hope you all have an awesome day. I hope you enjoy this. And Edge, thank you for telling me uh, you enjoyed the stream. Okay, great. I'm on to something. Maybe we should talk more about black propaganda. 
But uh, I appreciate all of you. I really do. And I appreciate all of you who supported me throughout 2023. I can't thank enough the people who've supported me on Substack, both by subscribing and those who have contributed financially. That definitely helps. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to bridge this gap where I can spend more time doing this and a little bit less time in the truck. It's just life is really difficult trying to balance all of this stuff together, plus a couple of startups I'm involved in. So uh, I do really appreciate all of you. Thank you very much. Reach out anytime. Uh, Cheryl, I love you too. And all the best to you and your family and your loved ones in 2024 and the rest of you as well. Uh, I'd like to see people successful and happy and in a positive frame. And I'm going to do everything I can to try to help that. And please reach out to me anytime. And Bridget says, Bitcoiners are amazing, not really judgmental people. That's, uh, that's accurate. That's been my experience. So thank you, Bridget. I'll let them know you've said that. And